And Rise and Dine is in the plaza south of the CVS on the southeast corner of that intersection. We'll see you there. Great stuff all the time. We are never disappointed. In fact, we're always scratching our heads trying to figure out what should we have because everything on the menu is good. And frequently, I will tell my server I'll have one of everything on the menu. Wouldn't that be something else? That would be worthy of a photo sometime, maybe on Instagram. Well, today is, in fact, Friday the 13th. And when I invited my guest today on Weather Jazz, it was his reply that said, hey, Friday the 13th has always been my lucky day. Well, I certainly hope so. He certainly graced our presence when we met together via Zoom. He lives in State College, Pennsylvania, His name is Joe Bastardi, and virtually everybody who is into weather, I don't care where you live in the USA, you know Joe Bastardi. He is a frequent guest on many of the national television shows when it comes to weather as well as climate. And I'm going to provide links on weatherjazz.com, episode number 17, just in case you would like to subscribe to his podcast. Yes, he has a podcast, and it's very good. In fact, I've linked to one of his episodes on AndreBernier.com recently. It was really quite, quite excellent. So I recommend it highly. But he was my guest today on Weather Jazz, and I just basically gave him the floor. He certainly has a lot to say and a lot to contribute when it comes to common sense meteorology Let's dive into it because we, in fact, use up our entire Zoom allotment time. It'll be a good episode with tons and tons of rich weather information. Ladies and gentlemen, from earlier today, my conversation with meteorologist Joe 
Bastardi. Joe Bastardi, welcome to Weather Jazz. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. Well, just after it's done, you can forget about it as quick as possible. Uh, You know, it's funny. This is like a real professional podcast because, you know, I have a podcast, the Joe Bastardi Experiment. We just wing it, Jesse and I. It's great, though. In fact, I've embedded some of your stuff on my website, andreburnier.com. Fabulous stuff. Keep them coming. Well, they will. Whenever Jesse gets over here to uh, do it, my daughter is... uh, Really, really uh, an interesting person, and she's very spiritual, and she's calmed dad down a couple of times, which is, my son is too, but he gets more combative <laughs> mm-hmm. with me about stuff. Uh, I'm trying to. Now, your your daughter, she's the gymnast, she's, correct? She, she's graduated from Penn State. She actually okay. has an, another year of eligibility through all this COVID stuff, but uh, she got mm-hmm. the impression that um, they're, they're a very woke team. Uh, the Penn State women's mm-hmm. gymnastics team. And well, I think uh, somehow the other, Jesse didn't fit in. I remember one day she came home and I really had to hold my my tongue uh, because one of the assistant coaches was in the training room and Jesse was getting looked at or whatever. And he was going into a rant about how stupid people are that don't believe that man is wrecking the climate. And, and he's saying this right in front of my daughter. And he know. I mean, basically, uh, you know, no one, why would you do that? Yeah, he, I mean, he knew who I was and he knows who, what I do, right? And, uh, you know, I, I, when, when that happened, I stayed calm, didn't say anything. Uh, but I started realizing that uh, she was probably facing some headwinds and some other situations mm, other mm. than that. And it's a, uh, yeah, I love women's gymnastics because I feel it's sort of like the wrestling, uh, the women's uh, equivalent of wrestling, individuality and right. stuff. Yep. But it's done very, very different. There's four or five teams that are really, really good, and they they keep sort of circulating around. And I'm a volunteer for Nittany Line Wrestling Club uh, with strength and nutrition. I'm more mascot now than when they first got here because I'm getting a little bit older. Mm-hmm. But the, um, they, they are very, very... Uh, I would say their coaches are spiritually motivated and that they believe that uh, if you mm-hmm. uh, wrestle in front of your heavenly father with gratitude, that's the best way to do things as opposed to being wow. worried about this and worried wow. about that. And uh, it, it's very, it was very interesting because Jesse was brought up around wrestling because my wife worked in the office. The, the fight mm-hmm. there was, Kale came up because Coach Sanderson came up and goes, you know, because uh, my wife was, my wife is an interesting character. She's like, she, she knew how to wrestle. She was a great gymnast, but all her brothers wrestled. And she's sort of Tom, I don't know what you want to call it, tomboyish, but she can mix it up with all of us. And she's not uncomfortable in any given situation, male, female, or whatever, right? So, uh, and she was, uh, and she knew how to do a lot of the, you know, from her coaching knew how to do a lot of the paperwork and stuff that can really get in the way of coaching today. The NCAA, there's just so many regulations. It's unbelievable. Like Jess, I'll say, hey, I talked to this kid the other day. She goes, uh, you shouldn't be doing that. That's a violation. I'm like, what a violation? Is it high? A kid walking across. We had a kid that broke his leg. This was back in the uh, 90s. He broke his leg, and I saw him walking across campus. And, uh, 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 you know, not walking, you know, on his crutches. Uh, it was raining. Yeah. I said, hey, jump in the car. I'll take you over to Rec Hall because he was going over. Yeah. And uh, I told my wife about that. And she goes, that's illegal. I go, what? <laughs> like, 
So what I'm saying is she was involved in this. So my daughter was brought up with a wrestling culture, watching our wrestling team, which is highly dominant in the sport. And there's a reason we're dominated. It's not because we're magically training. It's because of the way, the attitude we have over here. And then mm. you go into this other mm. attitude where, you know, they're worried about, uh, you know, Russia and worried about, they, uh, you know, they go, they go to practice and start talking about issues as opposed to, we go to wrestling practice and we talk about wrestling. Cool. Yeah, wrestling, so, wrestling, uh, right, so, right. And that's, mm. that's what's going on today in a bunch of stuff. Mm. Uh, you know, there are these distractions. My daughter has this, had this saying that the reason why people are getting so involved in distract and sort of distractions is because they're afraid to confront what God made them to do. Like if you were meant to be, mm -hmm. if you were, let's say, if you believed you should be the greatest wrestler in the world, you would have to yo, work like a crazy man. You would have to have a lot of faith in the good Lord above. You'd have to do all this stuff. And, and so you might be saying, you say, well, maybe I can't do that, but maybe I'll affect social change or affect this or affect that. And so it's almost like a byproduct that you see it in the climate situation. All these people out to save the world. You know, people like me believe our world was saved 2,000 years ago and God paid the ultimate price, right? But that's how I, if you don't believe that, that's fine. But if you think that somehow or the other you're going to save the world, you're elevating yourself to a godly, a, a godly uh, manner. And that's why, uh, a godly status. That's why people want to erase the past. They don't want to look at the medieval warm period. They don't want to look at the geological time scale, find out that we're actually in a climate optimum instead of a climate emergency. Mm. Because what they do is if you can eliminate the past, what does that mean about you and the future? You become more important, right? Climate mm -hmm. strike, week mm -hmm. 222 with Greta Thunberg or whatever. I mean, yeah, and I guess she's 20 now, so, uh, you know, uh, I can, I can, she's not a teenager anymore. This is a, what are you doing? Like, uh, do you, do you, she goes in front of the UN and everybody's, you know, urging her on and she makes no sense at all, but she's a spokesperson, just like Al Gore made no sense at all. It, and so what they did was they took one spokesman, which is no longer involved, the older, you know, guy that Al Gore is or whatever, Bill Nye and, well, I feel bad for those guys. They have to keep trying to reinvent themselves uh, to try to stay relevant because obviously uh, the the relevancy today has to do with, well, are you young or you hip or you woke and all this other stuff. So you put the other person in and all it is doing is masking the real issue. It's almost like the whole climate and weather community is like a bunch of cops that rush to judgment just looking at one thing and refuse to look at other things. Now, why is that? Because they want to self-verify, all right? We all like to hit forecasts, all right? But oh, it, yeah. the For greatest sure. thing mm -hmm. about doing what we do is it teaches humility. If you actually have a broad oh, focus, yeah. you understand that the weather is a majestic and infinite system that every time you learn something, you realize that, not only did you not know that before, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff that you didn't know mm -hmm. that you still don't know. Mm -hmm. It's right exactly. out. The, the, yep. the weather's right out of the apostle. Well, the apostle Paul said, Romans, those who know what they know don't yet know what they ought to know, right? Which is, that's what we do. As opposed to, I know the answer. Everybody follow me. And there's no questioning of it. 
you know, it also, it also gets down to the, um, the individual versus social, uh, social aspect of how does society advance in the weather? We know in almost all cases, things work from bottom up. Even when you get the 10 millibar warming, somehow something that happened in the lower, lower part of the atmosphere, the interaction between the ocean and the atmosphere work to set that off somehow or the other. You know, the idea that it is sinking coming over the Himalayas because of a certain bad Julian Oslo, whatever it is. Okay. So there's some subtypes we go, well, look at the 10 millibar level. That's the top of the stratosphere. It's warming. That means when, when that starts to expand down, the tropopause, the troposphere contracts. So the troposphere, uh, the pressures get higher and it gets colder in the troposphere. There's going to be Arctic air coming, right? So we know that. But the origin, the origins of that were below to above. Well, the way the good Lord constructed things is that the, this is why wrestling is a spiritual sport, right? That the rise of the individual will lead to the rise of those around them. You need people around you, but as an individual, you impact people around you. Uh, uh, so in wrestling, it's very rare to see a strong weight class and two weak weight classes around because the other guys mm-hmm. are button heads, right? As opposed to the top-down theory that, well, there are smarter people that know what they're doing that will elevate the rest of us. You know? and, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. you see that. That's what's going on in climate and weather today. That's why you can't go. I can't go. If I went to an AMS meeting, I'd have to, you know, never mind a mask. I need a bag over my head. I have to wear a full body <laughs> asthmat, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, I would never want to be a, join a club that wanted me as a member anyway. That's how I look at it. But, but so, so the, the, the sad thing is in what we do, and this is why I wrote the books I wrote, Andre, is you have dragged what I have loved. Now, so my mom and dad passed away. So I've loved the weather longer than any other thing in my life. But from my first mm-hmm. memory, that's, this is all I ever wanted to do. And I see people that come in and I can tell they have no love for the weather. They just want to use the weather uh, for their own nefarious purposes, right? For whatever that is, mm-hmm. as opposed to the purity or, you know, the majesty of the weather or whatever. And so that sort of, uh, that sort of is another thing that sort of gets me upset about this. There's so many, there's so much linkage to what we see today. You can't just put out a fork. I mean, you guys, you poor guys that are doing, uh, you know, the TV. I mean, I've, I've heard there's a lot of pressure on you to every time there's some out of the order, there's a thunderstorm in January, climate change, right? It's all climate change. You know, I'm not, I, what do you, uh, and, uh, yeah, for, fortunately, we've not come across that. Uh, we've not had that pressure. We're very fortunate. Well, that's good. Well, Cleveland, Cleveland. Cleveland and Boston were the first two real mm-hmm. big weather markets who started using meteorologists. Uh, WBZ, right. yep. does, you know, yep. those guys were all really, really good. Don, Don Kent. Kent. Well, my guy uh, was Norm McDonald. Uh, my dad, he's, Norm McDonald was great. Well, I yeah. worked with him yeah. in AccuWeather. Mm-hmm. He taught me so much. And mm-hmm. I would have taught me more if I wasn't so stubborn. But um, uh, my dad used to, I, I would I would go to into kindergarten at 1230 in the afternoon to 330, right? Jail Sanders School in Cranston. I used to have to go across the railroad tracks to and I'd always watch uh, uh, WBZ used to have the noon report. And so right. mm-hmm. Don Kemp, Bob Copeland, and Norm McDonald were the meteorologists. 
my dad used to say this, all right? My dad didn't have his degree yet, but he was fascinated with weather. So he, you know, he, he was always looking at what the weather guys were saying. And Norm McDonald, and years later, I found out, well, Doug, you know, Don Ken Bob Copeland were unbelievably great meteorologists too. But somehow my dad mm-hmm. saw some kind of bias. And, you know, he, with Norm, uh, Norm was in a in sort of a, well, Norm was an MIT, uh, Caltech MIT guy too. So he was, he was like, you know, uh, like he would look at a weather map and he taught me, he started teaching me, you gotta, you gotta, well, my dad used to teach, what is the weather asking you? You have to answer the question. He would look at something and he'd say, no way is that going to happen. I've never seen that before. You know, big drop, big storm in the east while there's a monster ridge over Spain, right? Rare, rare will you ever see that, which mm-hmm. it's the medieval warm period, which if, if Michael Mann understood that you cannot have localized warming. And it's funny because, it, you know, the, the, you know, this medieval warm period is trying to be wiped out. The argument is that the pine cones in the Urals showed no warming, right? I guess the Brittany's Griff of pine cones or whatever they looked at. In the Western United States, it was also cold. And I was like, of course it was cold. When you have warmth in Europe, you'll have warmth in the eastern United States. It'll be cold in the polar Urals, like we just saw. I don't know if you've been watching the weather right. in the polar Urals, but I, <laughs> but see when it warms in the look when it warms in the polar Urals, it gets cold in Europe. It's getting cold in Europe now. It's going to turn colder in the United States, right? But it also mm-hmm. means that ridge mm-hmm. is going up there that at seventy north, seventy east. Which usually means the United States is going to turn cold. That's what we call care. I, I refer to that as CARE's connection after Dr. John Care at Penn. I was going to ask you about that because uh, Scott Sable said, make sure you ask him about the CARE's well, okay, connection. What happened was John, Dr. John Care, who I'm still very close with, and he's the one, he, he doesn't even know. He's revving me up about this whole volcanic and underwater. He's a, he's a big ocean guy. Mm-hmm. Right. He says it's laughable, the lack of mm-hmm. data in the ocean. Anyway, when we had those cold winters in the late 70s, right, Carol, Dr. Care would come up to the weather town. We'd all watch it. He'd go over and look at the Asian weather map. And that ridge was going up northeast of the Caspian. What it may, means mm-hmm. is it's going to be forcing. When you think about, think, think about what the, um, what's been going on, the big, Big trough into the western part of the United States. Where is the net flow of air coming from? It's coming through the Pacific and moving northeastward through the United States. It's naturally going to be warm. Okay. Mm-hmm. When, when the ridge goes up over the Caspian, it starts forcing the air over the pole into, excuse me, North America. Ridging responds in Alaska. When that happens, pressure start building up in Canada, right. and here comes the cold air. Yep. Boom. So, I mean, and yep. and the 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 wild thing about this one was this was the classic start over the Caspian, November twenty fifth. So we have to wait till the positive gets back over Greenland. Got there on December tenth, punched the time clock three weeks, and it will end with a major Arctic outbreak, which it did. And then you move to the Joel Myers from AccuWeather rubber band theory, rubber band that they. The weather will snap the other way, right? Once it does its thing and dumps out, in fact, many times, severe cold is a sign that warming is coming, right? Because there are changes tightening the jet stream up and the atmosphere is naturally 
doing a Jordan Peterson on us where I don't know if you listen to Jordan Peterson, mm-hmm. but he's got mm-hmm. this chaos, chaos to order idea. The atmosphere is all, all into that, right? So you're looking at things constantly trying to adjust to a, an input coming from oceans, which are much, much warmer than they used to be. So the say I keep arguing with people say, well, you got cold PDO doesn't mean the same as a cold PDO back in the 1980s. The, the relationships may be the same where it's warmer here and colder over here. But if the temperatures are elevated, all right, so you might have a 2C difference. You, you know, they put all these calculations together. But if the baseline is higher, there's got to be different reactions in the atmosphere. So we have to try mm. to keep up with that. The models can't keep up with that. What the models do is they see so much warmth, they then make everything warm to normal and then start from that presupposition that the entire planet in three months is going to be above normal, maybe slightly above normal, but then they start beating back so they never can see cold air. Right, right. right. And the, I look at those those 90-day models and, and, of course, the ones that go out uh, 13 months and caution everybody when they when they see the the mass, oh look at all of the warm. I said the warm bias in those things is yeah, go, built in. It's what we see. It's what we see in the uh, the, the climate mm. the climate models. Also, the other thing is too is that people don't understand, and this is this is pure propaganda. The way they portray the global temperature, honest on record. Well, it's fifty nine instead of fifty eight point two. Would you go swimming at fifty nine? I mean, how many? How many people have been swimming in Lake Erie at 59 degrees? I'm sure it's not that. Not that, too many. That, right. What it is, is you are warming due to the increase in water vapor because of the warming of the oceans. You're warming the Arctic regions and Antarctic regions in the wintertime much, much more than you're warming the temperate regions. This creates a distorted pattern. And when we say that it's 0.8 or 0.5 C above normal, all that means is that the warm is beating the cold by a half degrees centigrade. It's not that there's no cold around. You know, Dr. Mann was mm-hmm. making this argument as to how a warming world will produce colder extremes. And in reality, he's sort of correct. He is correct. But he's correct because that's the natural fight back of the system. Right. That's not because of the, snap, the, the, the rubber band snapping. That's exactly right. And, and, and so, what, so what we see, you're going to see it this year. It's another late spring come. It's going to mm-hmm. snow a lot yeah. in Canada, February, March, and April. Why is that? Because even though it's warming up some, there's more water vapor. It's cold, getting colder and colder. Seasons are getting destroyed. They're moving over a little bit because of the warmth of the oceans. But that's a natural fight back. I had a, a book um, my dad gave me, uh, Why the Weather, I think it was. I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. I had a chapter in there on climate change. Cha- there was an entire chapter on climate change saying, the earth starts warming up. There's more water vapor in the air. I said the earth will warm up because the oceans warm up, but more water vapor in the air. It will warm up in the colder regions, but not enough to offset the fact that it starts snowing more, which is what we see. Northern hemisphere, Northern hemisphere snow is on the increase, right? And we get more snow in the winter seasons now in the Northern hemisphere on average. That's right. the natural fight right. back. Eventually, snow breeds snow, snow breeds cold. The danger in our society today is that it suddenly turns cold because we mm. warmth, the increase of warmth due to the very nature of warmth, and it's sort of like a flood. If, you're, if you've got a flood going on, 
to get the flood to rise even further, you need greater and greater and greater input to it. Otherwise, it just reaches a certain level where it stops. Well, nature's like that too. Heat, the nature of heat is the hotter it gets, the tougher it is to make it hotter or warmer, right? You just cut something out from underneath. You know, one of the mechanisms that's warming it, you'll turn around and go the other way. The ice ages came out much, much quicker than the, the, mm. uh, the warm-ups come. The warm-ups come gradual. Right. And it, it's almost built yeah. for adaptation as if, as if it's a natural process that, uh, you know, nature and nature's God so that mankind can advance actually has it that way. If you look at the geological time scale, there's a reason why things are called climate optimums because life thrives when it gets a little wild. I usually ask people all right. the time, how the heck did Hannibal? Mm-hmm. Hannibal was in Italy. How did he get, how did he get all those elephants? Because he, he didn't come, he didn't sail across the ocean with those elephants. Went across in, you know, Gibraltar or something, went all the way up through the Alps and marched southward. How the heck did he get through the Alps with those elephants? Must have been pretty warm mm-hmm. up there. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it had to have been, sure. Hey, listen, I've got uh, about seven minutes left on my connection. I do want to ask you one question uh, before we let you go. And by the way, I, I mean, you're just a, a, a plethora of, of tr- and a treasure of well, information. Well, make sure, folks, so, listen, I tell people, don't trust me. Go look it up yourself because I'm be talking yeah. this stuff off oh. the top of my head. You know? Who knows? <laughs> But you're not. That's that's the that's the great thing. And when you look it up, you go, "Oh my goodness, he was right. Look at that." Uh, so we hope you come back some sometime. And of course, you've got your own podcast. I'm going to link to that. I'm going to link to your book on weatherjazz.com so people can can uh, order if they so choose. Uh, my question actually comes from Mackenzie Bart. She's one of our newest meteorologists from OSU. Great school. Uh, her by the first way. job was in. Oh, yeah. Um, She spent some time in Fort Myers, then Columbus, and now with us, and hopefully for a very long time. But she knows that your father was a meteorologist. And so uh, she knows that my wife is a meteorologist. So, you know, pillow talk around our house is interesting. But her question then was, have you ever had a meteorological impasse with your father? The only time when I was in college, you know, he, mm-hmm. my dad could read the sky better than anyone ever met. And his great, his grandfather was good at it too. He would say, Matt, too, it's snow tomorrow. He was in Rhode Island and there was a Northeast wind and there was serious coming in from the Southwest. He'd tell his grandson it was going to snow tomorrow. We've had a, a lot of my, a lot of my uh, relatives were all the way back to Bisignano, uh, in Bisignano, Italy, the town weatherman was my great great grandfather or something like that. So it's in the blood. It's definitely in the blood. But no, well, my dad was inevitably always right. He made me a hero. I one day I came in here. I was saying to Jess, my Garrett, I go, I'm nothing like my dad. My dad was always right. And Jess goes, always right. I go, well, we only had 11 snowstorms in Atlantic City in the seven years. He told, <laughs> I, he told me. It was going to snow in Texas about two or three days before the January 1964 snow. And I was only in fourth grade then. And uh, third, third grade or fourth grade. And I went in and told everybody. And sure enough, we had three, four inches of snow. And I, I still, College Station, very difficult place to predict snow. Very difficult because yeah. if, it, if the colder air is coming in, it drives it, 
drives of moisture south and you, you don't get overrun in snow in College Station, you know, the way. So it's a difficult place to forecast. In Atlantic City, I remember ne- November 67, you're nailing that. That last day of November, mm. and he kept telling us all week it was going to snow. Yeah, like he came home from work on Monday. He was in research, okay? Which is, if, oh, okay. if, if Mackenzie wonders why I am though about thermometers, she's my dad worked in research at Atlantic City and they had they had a thermometer hit 106 one day when no one around him was over 98 and he what he went out there was he found that the error in the thermometer would expand the warmer it gets and then when I took instrumentation to Penn State which was a nightmare all right I, I just <laughs> I just I might as well shoot myself in the head all right I can't even tell you how I got a 13 out of 150 on one of the tests, and the class average was 17. Well, yeah, it was all these oh grad my. students in there. Basically, you had to design instruments and all this. Oh, it's a nightmare. But I found out 95% thermometers, if they're not maintained, will read warm, not cold. Right? Mm-hmm. But no, I, I, no. The only time was before the blizzard of 78. It was, he says, well, I see those black Black, low, rolling clouds off the coast. I go, Dad, those are snow squalls. It's so darn cold. This is not going to rain. Because he he would, again, he was in research. And let's say he came home Friday and there was a forecast for snow Saturday night or Sunday. We get up Saturday morning and say, there's black clouds off. That's it. It's going to, this is going to be rain. I don't care what they're saying over across the street, which he worked over here. But he was buddies with all those guys. I, I can remember them. Atlantic City, because I worked at NAFAC at the summer intern a couple of years. And my dad was over at FAA programmer at that time. He did not want to work shift work. All right. So he gave up his meteorology for his family. He had enough math and comm side that he went into uh, programming for the FAA. So I'd, I'd go in there and those guys, half of them loved me, half of them hated me. Jim Eberwine, who I'm still dear friends with, always treated me very, very kindly. But I'd be over there looking at stuff, and then guys would be saying, what kind of voodoo are you looking at now, right? And I was always <laughs> trying to stir up trouble. I remember I remember, mm-hmm. I, I told him uh, on a Friday that we, we were going to have a hurricane Monday. It was going to be Pell, 76. Mm-hmm. And they were, what are you looking at? You know, at that time, it was the Depression, east of the Bahamas. But the 72 came in and had the trough right down to the Tennessee Valley. And that's a classic B-North hurricane pattern on the East Coast. Yeah. Yeah. I can remember walking in there Monday mm-hmm. and those guys were like, we looked at me all day. How did you know? know? How did you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know so, now, dad, hey, dad was, yeah, I'll tell you what, uh, let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. Right? If, I were, if I were half the man my dad was, I'd be twice the man I am now. Uh, if I had a distinct mm-hmm. advantage, taught me that work ethic along with my mother. My dad would talk me That's awesome. my mother. And as far, I always feel bad for him. And I feel bad for a lot of the weather hobbyists out there. Because I could see they had the love and passion and talent to be doing what I'm yeah. doing and you're doing. And yet, you know, they had to make decisions. And uh, so, well, they have a natural linkage to my dad. He gave it up for his family, you know. But well, hopefully, uh, hopefully he's up there looking at me saying, what are you looking at? It's not going to snow. <laughs> <laughs> you can probably hear him through the mezzanine. Yeah. So, hey, Joe, would you come back, Anytime. please? Hey, um, listen, <laughs> I, I love people that want to still talk to me. So anytime you want me back, you know, but one thing <laughs> okay. is, I will tell you this. If I could have wrestled the way I talk, I would have been a national champ. <laughs> <laughs> 
Joe Pistardi, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, let's watch the rest of this winter. I'm sure we're going to have you back to talk more about this winter because it's kooky. Well, I think I think you guys are going to wind up with above normal snowfall out there. I think that I yeah. think it's the East Coast people who are going to want to ship. But we never had above normal snow mm. forecasted on the East Coast. We've always been focusing. I'll tell you what I'm worried about. I'm worried about a lot of flooding this spring because I think it's a late winter. We'll talk about that later. Enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got above all. God bless you all. God bless you too, Joe. We'll talk to you soon. Well, just like episode number 16, which turned out to be a hybrid episode, a combination of several things, today's episode number 17... Open Line Friday was, in fact, a hybrid episode. We talked about all kinds of things, from climate to faith to weather, and it went way beyond your typical Open Line Friday segments where we could talk about anything and everything, which we did. But we also talked about plenty of weather in that conversation as well. We plan to have Joe back, so stay tuned to future episodes of Weather Jazz. Do you have a question or a topic suggestion? I welcome your input. You can reach me anytime. WeatherJazz at yahoo.com. Also, you can give me a call and leave me a voicemail on the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line. That number is 234 525 5888. And incidentally, by popular request, I was truly humbled when many of you who used to be supporters of Weather Jazz financially said, hey, we would still like to support Weather Jazz, especially now that season three is up and running and rolling and typically producing anywhere from one to three segments per week. We would still like to support you. So as a result, I have reestablished that support page. You can go to weatherjazz.com and click on the link if you would like to do so. And thank you to Victoria Singer and Kian Galunas from Vermont of being the very first ones to jumping on that bandwagon. And uh, they were supporters from season two. Thank you so much. It means a great deal to me and encourages me in ways that you can't even imagine. Thank you so much. I look forward to hearing from you. If you too would like to jump on that bandwagon and I'll place those names on the supporter tab of weatherjazz.com. It's my plan to have a meteorological Monday episode waiting for you. So we'll see you next week on Monday right here on Weather Jazz. Weather and science across the globe. Jazz Pod.